It's showtime. Let's do this. Get on to your butt. SA Gamercast! Hey, welcome to the SA Gamercast Season 2, Episode 2. I'm Garth Holden, I'm joined by my co-host Charlie Small. Thanks for having me, again. And today we have Marco Swanepoel coming to talk to us about how much money and how filthy rich he gets off to writing about video games. Yeah, I'm just, you know, rolling in the money. Just pumping, you know, cocaine hookers, everything. Game journalism, man, is no. the new thing. It's like Bitcoin with writing. And Bitcoin. hello, I'm Mark. Bitcoin I'm is for the paupers. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to change your site bio to that. It's <laughs> game journalism. It's, <laughs> it's like Bitcoin, yeah, but it's writing. Aye. <laughs> uh, so, so last week uh, in our conversation, we got things got onto the topic of money and the cost of video games and stuff like that. So I thought it'd be best if we hop right into it because I think it's could be a very long topic or could be a very short topic. Because um, I could say, Charlie, what price should games be? And he could just say, Mahala. <laughs> we, we're paying too much. So yeah, let's go on. Uh, see you guys next week. Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, Good yeah, it's it's not really that simple. Um, you know, it's you know games are expensive, especially you know in in South Africa where we have a very volatile currency and economy, and mm-hmm. you know the, the the people that that bring these things in, um, they tend to try and predict these things and to make sure they don't have some kind of a loss. When, when selling us the games and there's pre, pre, always pre-orders and those kind of stuff going on. So, so we're kind of used to the, to the price of games fluctuating uh, from time to time. But for an international audience, that doesn't really happen. Um, and I mean, last year we saw games going for, what, what is it, 1,100, 1,200 for the standard edition. Um, and that is, that's a ridiculous price for, for these things. Yeah, so... It, it is com- a complicated one just because of the brand dollar fluctuating so much. So what Charlie was talking about is when our distributors bring in money, they take out a kind of buyer's insurance. And what they do is often they'll they'll shorten order, which means they'll, they'll pay money ahead and buy at the current exchange rate. So what happens then is if the exchange range sparks up, they won't have to change the price that they sell the game at. Um, unfortunately, in this case, I think a lot of forward buying has happened in December. And since December, our RAND has improved a lot. So now it's gone the other way where we want to start seeing the change in the price, but it takes a while because no one's brought in stock on the new exchange rate price. Um, and yeah, like last year, we hit a pretty a low point or a high point, depending on who you ask. Um, where games are costing like 1200 bucks a pop um, compared to I mean I remember when I thought 600 to 800 was a good price for a game and those days seem very far away now yeah but um, that that's something we we should keep in mind uh, that you know we here in South Africa tend to look at it like that uh, but the international market not that used to it and they've had the the $60 price point for the last 
I don't know, 15 years on a, on a new game. And I think that is basically what most of this discussion is going to be about, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I was asking the question um, if why is the $60 price so sacrosanct? Um, because it feels like, um, okay, well, let's put it this way. The cost of development are rising. Every time you have better hardware, it means you need more complex graphics, better sound, better everything. You double the number of polygons. That means someone has to do all that work. And yes, the tools and the workflow and whatever improves, but it still costs a lot more of money to make a game. Then you also start looking at things at how um, how needy we are as as a as a hobby fan group. Um, like perfect example, we we all played The Witcher Three, right? Um, I know we all verbal. Yeah, never heard, heard of it. Never, never <laughs> no, heard no, of it. Okay. What, so, what's what's it about? So Witcher Three has these amazing quests, which show that uh, you can have an open world um, RPG that isn't all about fetch quests, that it's about meeting characters, investigations, um, moral implications, difficult decisions, you know, like really moving things. And when we played that, we were like, yes, this is excellent. This is amazing. You know, go the Witcher. It's so great. But not a month later, we stopped talking about how great The Witcher was as kind of, you know, the outlier, the exceptional version of RPG. The very next review of an open world rpg game, we start talking about the quest and we say, well, you know, this game's actually crap because it's not as good as The Witcher. And what that's called is the when excellence becomes the norm which means each time you do something, you have to be better. Otherwise you are, if you do, do just do the same, you're worse. And that's something that's a huge in game development. Mark, are you very quiet? What's your input? Yes, hi. Uh, let's see, this is a complex like topic to speak about because this is about money. And like money makes the world go around, money makes people mad, money makes people happy. So, that's sixty dollar price point. That's that's I think that's a linchpin of this whole conversation, because that has been the norm for years, um, at least in America. Like we we cannot really compare it with our prices because you know Zuma or whatever, and um, that that's the expected value of a game, like sixty dollars. I'm paying you sixty dollars. I want this product, whatever it is. If it's absolute crap, if it's some stupid crappy VR tech demo game or something like The Witcher. And we got so used to that price point that we kind of, we're in the past now. And like Goff mentioned, all the developing um, development costs, marketing costs, all that stuff, that stuff gets, gets higher and higher. And because of that, we now have microtransactions. We have games as services. We have um, seasonal deluxe editions and the gold edition, the complete edition, the whole, you need a spreadsheet to keep up with any games released these days. And I don't know, from from my perspective, I want to say maybe we should just abolish the $60 norm thing and maybe bump it up to about 80 or something. I know that sucks and people are going to just freak out if that happens. 
but I think it's a necessary evil because the economy shifts, the paradigm shifts all the time. So yeah, but, but maybe Marco, that's the best option. Marco, surely if they, they bump it up to an $80, you know, I mean, that's a, a $20 jump. You know, I mean, usually you've got to lube them up a little bit, you know, that's just, you know, <laughs> that's going to hurt everybody. Uh, so is, I, yeah. I, I don't think that that is necessarily the way to go. If they do want to do it, they need to do it in a much more, um, you know, subtle way, the way that inflation, for instance, work, and in that it goes up by a few percentage points per annum, that kind of thing. So in other words, next year we have it at uh, $62 for a, for a game. The year after yeah. that may be still 62 because there was a lower inflation rate on the U.S. market. And then um, you maybe have it after that at 65. So, so in that way, the the consumers accept it a little bit. But the the publishers, in a way, dug their own grave when they stuck to that $60 mark um, in the mid 2000s, when when this when you know it was basically norm to sell something at at $60,000. So, so so that is that is where that problem comes in and then just another point using the witcher as a, as an example what a lot of people don't re- or maybe a lot of people don't know is that the witcher 3 is a government um subsidized product which you know um cd project red received quite a massive grant from the polish government to make that game and because of that you know they you know, could do a lot of things that other publishers might not have been able to with the amount of money that they had. Yeah, they got totally. Like they had more resources than than your average triple A company. So they had more more freedom involved because they didn't have to worry about all those uh, recoup costs and all that. And maybe that's why they they came off as so consumer friendly when they released. Like here's the game. You get all this free stuff with it as well. Lots of DLC for free. We have two expansions and they're amazing. There you go. That's that's like an outlier of our industry. Like that's how it should be done. But yeah, to your point, they have government funding. What's what's actually funny on that is that um, The Witcher Three is a way of is is made through taxpayers' money. You know, we have yeah. have government officials wasting taxpayer money, and then we just go and enjoy the taxpayer money of the Polish people. So that's one way of doing it. Thank you, Polish people. Like, <laughs> that was an awesome game. <laughs> you did something good, Poland. I also feel that um, The Witcher 3, you also have to look at CD Projekt Red actually owning GOG.com. Um, so it kind of falls into the same category that you don't really sell DLC for your your platform seller because you're already selling the platform term at least that's what happens in the console market like you don't have super expensive dlc for um your exclusive because someone's already had to buy the console and the controller and the extra controller and the you know they bought in on that system so basically it's going to make its dlc revenue from every other purchase you make on that console's life forever so in a way getting people onto GOG is kind of like selling a system or at least an environment uh, for CD Project Red. Yeah, they had a bunch of contingents in place to, you know, not have to suffer under the usual 
economic strain that the AAA publishers are. Uh, so, I, I, I did terribly at accounting. Uh, I'll put that up front, front Same. And first. I have no idea. But I went looking and as, as far as I can get that everyone um, says that it was stable at $60 was at the beginning or near the beginning of the Xbox 360's lifespan. Um, because before that, games actually cost more than that. They would fluctuate and sometimes yeah. cost less, but there were a lot of games that people were paying up to $100 for. And so it's it's basically since the Xbox 360, which was around about 2005. Yeah. So if you look at 2005, uh, a, a few interesting things. $60 in 2005 would be worth, with inflation, something like $72.5. So they're losing $12.5 per unit sold, selling at that rate, basically. Um, having kept that. Another interesting thing, the dollar price to, to Rand in May of 2005, it was six to the dollar. Can you fucking believe it? Holy hell, dude. That was, that's insane. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit, yeah, I mean, it, I remember that, that kind of prices, but you know, it's, it's more like a, a kind of thing you tell grandchildren and here we are raving about the fact that it just went below 12 to the dollar yeah the we're like oh my god it's not 15 and anymore can you believe it yeah so um so for us if you look at it our uh rands a dollar we've we paying double for a dollar than we did back when they started the 60 dollar thing um but the guys in America, they're not making any more. I mean, they're technically making less if you think of, you know, cost of living or whatever. So now they're making bigger games that they did in 2005. Uh, they have bigger budgets and what have you, and they're still selling it for the same price. So now uh, we, we spent a lot of time last year, like complaining about bad business practices and some shitty DLCs and things like that. But could it be that microtransactions are just like the way an industry is screaming out for help because it doesn't know what to do at this point? Look, that, I that, don't, that's a point I wanted to hit on actually. Like, like I'm um, gonna, I, I just want to put in, put this in there. I don't think for one moment that your big publishers like Activision and um, EA and Ubisoft and those guys are making a loss because they're selling the games at a lower price than it was or than it they did um you know 15 or let's say 13 years ago so they they're making less they might their profit margins might be less per copy of game but it's i'm i'm thinking that they are i or I'm not for one moment going to sit back and think that now all of a sudden they're not making money, they're not going to be able to keep the the lights on. So it's I think that there's a lot of dynamics that we should we should consider before just um, saying well they might be justified in in trying to recoup that that twelve dollars per copy sale sold. Hence the, the microtransaction and loot boxes. 
I mean, and that's not even taking into consideration extra complexity of development or any of the other factors that could increase the cost of development, which it is increasing all, all yeah, the time. Yeah, look, that's that's something I'll, I'll touch on as well because I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, in, in a way, um, I really I, I refuse to defend the, the microtransaction systems or the, or the loot box system that's going because I don't have a problem with anybody making money and these guys can make all the money they want. It's just a matter of how it's implemented and done. Um, just on, on on the argument of development costs, there's no doubt that you know developing a game um, costs more than what it did 13 years ago. Or let's say let's just say 10 years ago for for argument's sake, it cost it cost more now than it did uh, back then. Depending on and there's a lot of factors. If you take you know with inflation, you know uh, developers have to be paid more. You know, there's a lot more detail going into these systems. The the servers cost a lot more money to maintain, all those kind of things. You know, there's just 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 everything that goes into running that kind of business um, to consider when you when you do the, you know, when you when you start selling your your product. The the issue that we got to remember though is that several things changed over the last few years. Number one, there's less a lot less physical copies being sold so there's a lot more raw income in because everything is going digital there's um, a lot less distribution costs involved in order to get the copy in your home the copy of the game in your home it's a matter of you know that cost is basically offset to the consumer and the internet service provider because we are um, you know downloading to our system we effectively doing the distribution ourselves on the second thing is that what we also got to remember that every kind of production out there becomes cheaper over time um, because we're doing because you do more production so it's a lot more is being a lot more games of the same copy are being sold today than it would have you know 10 years ago 10 years ago a 500,000 copies would have been, you know, a lot, where today, you know, in the same kind of dynamic, uh, 1.5 million copies in order to get the same kind of um, response or result in a way. So a lot more copies are, are being sold as well. So there's a lot of these kind of factors to, to take in into account. So is it really justified where they trying to make more money because I think they're still making more money than they did a couple of years ago. So you think even with increasing costs of development, that's offset because they're not releasing as many physical copies? That's it. It is quite possible. I'm not saying it is the case, but it is possible that more copies of the game is being sold, but because it's not going through distribution centers like we have uh, you know the mega roms and the the technicals that that does it you know in South Africa for instance um, you know but there's less copies going through you know those distribution things there's, there's less um, costs involved in printing the the booklets and all those things and putting it on a physical disc than it it used to be I'm just not sure if those two costs like cancel each other out. <laughs> 
I'm not saying it's necessarily cancelling each other out, but then on the other side to to keep in mind is that um, you know they're selling a lot more copies of a specific game, which you know then which I think is there's a lot more people that's become involved in playing video games. I think that also has some kind of an impact on it. Um, but Foygan, I just want to say I'm not saying microtransactions are justified. I asked if it's they could cry for help from an industry. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I know your stance on this. Yeah, here's the thing though. The whole microtransaction business, the thing I go off on so much and write massive feature articles on. Um, I can be okay with different revenue streams um, past the $60 price point, but they do it so terribly. And so, like, anti-consumer, that we don't respond to that. We respond to it in hostility. Like, fuck this. I'm not going to buy some booster pack to get 40% more damage on my gun. That's stupid. And loot boxes, glorified gambling. I, I don't even... That is glorified gambling. Screw you if you don't say otherwise. If you say otherwise. And there are ways that you can do better with your um, monetization tactics. A lot of games have managed to do that. Like for instance, Warframe, it's a free-to-play game, that's for one. For two, it's, it cultivates this nice community you're in, you're continually making progress, and you feel not compelled, but you feel satisfied with paying money to support developers and to get what you want and I don't see that in the in the current um, like ecosystem we have of different interview streams it's basically just here's a thing we have forcefully implemented it it has no relation to anything going on but here it is give us money that's that's the shit way of doing it. It's it's very greedy from them. You know, they they've got this old old mentality almost of we owe them that money. Okay, but yeah, and they, and they alienate audiences and they alienate consumers. It's just what are you doing? That's that's the mindset I'm in, and I've have been in like the past year. I just I feel it's a bit early in the conversation to really start throwing blanket statements around like they all greedy. Because um, if they were all greedy, they'd have pushed past the $60 mark by now. No, that's a, that is a fair argument. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying they're all greedy. Well, okay, I did say that. But it, the thing <laughs> is, it, it, it comes across as that. It comes across as being um, anti-consumer behavior. In the meantime, they're just trying to, you know, make more profit in a way. All, and I just want to bring this back to it. And, and, and it's sometimes something we we as the consumer and also as the, the the guys that report on these things sometimes forget that there's a lot of things that go into making these this this business or making a business run that the people that work for them the people that uh, do business with them don't always understand and all i'm saying is that there's certain factors that caused um, that might have caused, yes, like Garth says, the production or the, the actual development cost might have gone up. And uh, but there's also a lot of tools that have been implemented to make to 
help them produce certain things faster. You know, um, the, the different uh, types of software, the different hardware that's available to them. So, yeah, the, it, the, the development cost might have gone up, but I don't think it necessarily went up as it we might think it did. Even though some developers might like to like you to believe that it, it went up, you know, X amount because they're trying to make, you know, us feel guilty for not paying for the the microtransactions. But what I'm what I'm just trying to say is that, you know, things like distribution costs, things like the fact that there's more units being sold. I mean, for instance, a a, a PC or a console for that matter cost the same 10 years ago than it does today. So, I mean, why are we arguing this price? But the, the price of a the physical hardware was basically the same or even more expensive a couple of years ago. And it's, it's simply because the hardware and the making of the hardware that goes into it, the cost of that came down because more of those uh, components are being produced. And it's, it's the, the law of these kind of things. The more you produce... The you know the the cheaper it gets, and yes, that is just where I'm I'm starting to think that you know they're making maybe a little bit more profit than we might think they do. That's just what I'm trying to argue here. Your your argument of producing more makes it cheaper works if in a non-creative medium of fabrication, which. And you have to, I have to argue that games are a creative thing. You can't just crunch out more by doing working at it for longer kind of thing. Yeah, but what you also gotta remember that certain assets that they that they have isn't is you know, let let's think of it in you know, they would use the same asset once or, or you know, more than once in producing or developing certain um, landscapes or that kind of thing. It's just get placed in different ways. But, you know, making that particular asset, let's say, for instance, it's a, a tree, um, is becomes easier and faster and cheaper because of the tools available to them. Um, so, in other words, it may be cost the same because there's more details in it, you know it's more detailed and looks better but um you know so so the time spent and you can take the time as the or the cost as the time of the the artist to make this um the 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 time that they use or the tools that they're using in order to produce these things have advanced so much over the last few years that it's become easier for them to make these incredible looking things then you know and the rendering is faster than it was and and those kind of things so, so i'm not saying that because there's a you know it, it's 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 a production system you know it's all i'm saying is that we need to factor those things in before we start arguing that costs of these things is higher now than it used to be 10 years ago i'm not saying that it isn't i'm just saying that we should consider the different types of things that go into making these video games um there's i'm not sure that development costs are higher than they were previously like do we have more data of that no mostly what i've is is what people have said there's no physical i mean one thing that definitely is more people working on on games it's it's higher staff um you know staff numbers 
and um, the production production time of video gamers may be a little bit shorter in in some cases depending on who's, who's cracking the whip and i think that you know and obviously the salaries are higher so it I don't know. It, it probably is a little bit higher than it used to be, but I don't think it is that much as as Garth would would maybe suggest. I actually saved an article on this that I'm not battling to find. Look, I would I would love to be proved wrong. I'm I'm just saying that you know at at this point is I've seen the argument where they're saying things are more expensive to make. I just want to see you know the, you know I, I'm just thinking that there's a lot of other things that came into factor that. You know that that needs to be considered before making that kind of claims but then again back to the point of the 60 dollars price mark and the fact that there was no increase in the cost of games over the last 13 years is kind of it is it is kind of strange and the fact that people are a little bit are, are so reluctant for games price to go higher it doesn't make sense either because everything else's prices went up you know your price for your mcdonald's burger went up your price for your coffee and your milk and your bread and everything went up but video games stayed the same yeah but uh, let's talk about affordability for a second if um i am a poor boy um i don't make a lot of money and i don't see a lot of money so for me buying games is like almost impossible to do full price even if a game is 800 rand, which they kind of are these days, 800, 700, 750, for like a brand spanking new game. I'm like, I cannot do that. That's way too much. But if you off that in a sale a month later, I'm like, okay, I can consider this. So yeah, but I don't know. It's Yeah. I think what, what also should be considered though is that you know there is consumers like you and i we we go for the the cheaper version and i think that the publishers do you know factor that in they don't they don't really worry too much about us when factoring in their their pricing and their how much or not their pricing but their projections of profit because they know that you know there's us us that's going to wait for the price of a game to go down before we buy it and but there's enough people out there that still buy that thing at that $60 price point. And I think that is a concern that they're at, is that the moment they start raising that price and it goes up to, say, 65 you cutting into the amount of people that, or the number of people that can actually buy this game. Yeah, that's the thing I, I wanted to touch on. Like, uh, is um, $60 the limit we, we, we have reached of affordability for a game? If it goes up 80 to 100, like if, if it reaches that point where we just say, this is not worth it anymore. Like why, why should I pay this enormous amount of money or basically a risk if you don't read reviews like an idiot and the game is like crappy and they stole microtransactions in because I know they're going to probably do that. And yeah, I don't know if maybe $60 is that sweet spot, even if we can bigger and known that development costs are going up and whatever, but they are still making profit. Nobody is starving and suffering yet. Let's be yeah, honest. I'm, I'm actually is not living in a fucking shack. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually wondering now that, Marco, now that you mention it, that that, that threshold is $60, that threshold that, that consumers are willing to pay. And 
And why I'm saying this is that I'm seeing, um, you know, something that we don't know is the, the kind of research and the focus groups and the um, surveys and things that these guys might be doing in order to find out exactly what people are willing to pay. And, and, and I suppose they might be using that, that kind of stuff with microtransactions to an extent as well in order to see what are people willing to pay for microtransaction before it starts feeling like a ripoff. Although, uh, you know, I think some of the publishers might, you know, just try and read those statistics and surveys a little bit better, though. Yeah, because the rate they're going now, they're charging, like, luxurious prices. Like, the things only rich people, upper-class people can afford. Like, I can, I cannot spend 2,000 Rand on a single game. That's insane. I will rather buy food with that. So, I don't know which target market they've fucking... Um, targeted for the surveys or whatever but it's definitely not the average people yeah like i mean but that's like i said on the on the microtransaction level and i mean as they always say it's only you know cosmetic or it's optional and those kind of things which we all know not really i mean if you really want to get in the game you you need to to grab grab yourself that that sweet sweet um loot boxes in order to improve yourself one of the if is goth still there so when it comes <laughs> so some, some it. figures <laughs> in, in 2005 with games settled at 60 dollars um does anyone remember a game called call of duty 2. <laughs> never heard of it small franchise you might not have heard of it um what uh i'm assuming it was a sequel for a game that the, was so called, uh, called call of duty the co-founder revealed that the the title which was next gen, so there was for 360. It cost 14.5 million to develop. Now let's roll back closer to where we are in time. How much do you think um, the next, like a uh, Call of Duty Elite cost? Call of Duty Elite? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, 40 million. 50 million. 200 mil. What? Oh. And then... Okay, so my... No. Destiny cost 140 million to develop. With limited marketing efforts, is the quote. Yeah. What? This bullshit. <laughs> the, no, no, that's this separate from... That's separate from... Marketing Activision's marketing budget. That's just... Bungie... Spend. Is 140 million. Watch Dogs 1, 68 million. This Disney Infinity, 100 million. So like the the price change is crazy. Like uh, in, in a generation. So, sorry, God, I just, God, just, just quickly. Um, you're saying that uh, the Call of Duty 2 cost 14 million yes. to, to make. Um, I'm at, and then Call of Duty, which, which Call of Duty are you talking about? Elite. That was 15 million? Elite, Call of Duty Elite. Um, Isn't that the social service for Call of Duty? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Is there, I, yeah, it what, was. That was just the online service. <laughs> um, okay, but but let's let's keep it. Let's let's compare apples with apples here. But uh, for, let's say, for instance, um, Infinity War. Uh, what do do you have statistics, for instance, on what that cost as a production? Or no, I'm trying to, to find specific ones. Just, also, just, 
the reason why I'm asking is I just want to know what the amount of sales was compared to each other because that can also start factoring uh, okay. in what it feels like everyone's asking me to provide all the figures and all the research and it's just <laughs> saying oh no but actually Do the work, it costs man. more they're still making money i'm not arguing about them making a profit but i don't know if you've seen how a big company works okay they do an, yeah, no, no. they do an earnings call you you show them your figures and if you made a profit of 10 percent year on year guess what you have to make next year if, uh more if you make 10 percent <laughs> someone on the board is going to ask why did you fail this year because companies are governed by this idea that you're supposed to show growth every year otherwise you're a failure as a business it doesn't matter if you're making profits you must make more profits so we can all that I can show you games cost a lot more to develop across the board um, yes maybe games are selling more but we also have to take into account salaries costing more more people being hired as part of that the the money being put into it um, so this piece of power that is left for profit is getting smaller so what options are there at the moment we've, we've discovered there's okay so there's change the price from $60 to something else which then bumps into like Marco was just saying that then it starts outpricing certain fans of the hobby who have limited financial means or there's DLC which you profit off people that are invested in the game and don't mind spending more and then there's microtransactions where you get people that aren't even that invested in the game but they want an advantage or a pretty shiny weapon or a fancy magic ring and they pay their few dollars and it makes them happy and hopefully it doesn't affect the balance of the game or the pvp because um, a single player it doesn't really matter if it affects the balance it doesn't hurt anyone what other options are there that's the thing that's the problem with it you know. because and and like even with the the cost of the thing Gaming is still a hobby, even though a lot of people treat it as something a lot more than a hobby. Lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's my <laughs> my center. It's the core of my identity. <laughs> that can, it's still a hobby, and hobbies are expensive, especially when taken to extremes. You can take any, you can name any hobby, and I'll tell you how to do a more expensive version of it, and how it costs more than playing video games. But for some reason, video games are in the super spotlight case where no one's allowed to change because there's this magical $60 number and there's this weird attachment and you can see it even in the indie industry where the $60 number isn't real uh, a thing for them but there's this attachment that a game's value is equal to the number of hours of fun I get out of it and story and joy and whatever and like that entitlement is a huge problem and you do get outliers like Warframe that, you know, people then pay their money to say, hey, your game is cool and I like this stuff and I want a shiny space ninja suit and I want my spaceship to glow. So I'll give you money, bro, you know, like, good job. But then the other company, we say, no, your corporate image isn't my bro. You're like freaky, stinky old uncle that nobody likes, you know, so screw you shit on your microtransactions but 
I'll buy some Hearthstone cards because I love Hearthstone. And hey, Blizzard is the cool guy. You know, it's like, <laughs> where do they go from here? Is there a single solution they can do? Or are we just going to watch more of this kind of predatory extra transactions come in? Um, Garth, I just quickly, I just quickly read up here and I, and I just want to um, bring in, in a little bit of a extra argument to, to my side of it or what I'm saying. Uh, Call of Duty 2, you said cost uh, 15 million to make, roughly, roughly 15 million dollars. Um, according to the statistics, the game sold 5.4 million copies or 5.9 million copies in total. Um, if you fast forward um, nine years, I go to Modern Warfare 2, for instance, it had a production cost of estimate, because we don't really know exactly what it is, because nobody shares these things with us, um, of about 100, and, 100 million to make uh, Modern Warfare 2. But it had a total sales of 30 million copies. Which so that's also something to keep to to consider the um, the sheer amount of games that is being sold versus previously. Now I'm using something that is was a massive success as an example, and it's not always the case. You know there are games that you know get sold at that sixty dollar price mark. You know costs a hundred million to make and doesn't make that profit because they just sold poorly. But it's it's just something to keep. To, to consider the, the the amount of games that that are being sold is is insane. I mean, we just just think about this week alone. We I mean, we're hearing stories of Monster Hunter World selling five million copies in the first week, and this is for a franchise that a lot of people don't even really you know buy before this. I mean, there were a lot of people that played it, but not nearly as much interest until now. Okay, but. Um... Do those costs mention if they include things like um, royalty fees of the consoles, like the licensing costs per unit? No, of of course not. But I mean, remember that that goes for both ways for before the for both Call of War, Call of Duty Two, and Modern Warfare Two. So it's it like I said, it's just there's there's just so many things to to consider and and to take into to consideration when when you want to have this kind of argument. And, and I don't think that we have all that kind of numbers at our disposal. And also another, another like, branch in the card work. Have you seen how many games released per month now? Like, the, the frequency of games has increased exponentially since those years. So, if you're a hardcore gamer and you want to buy every game, you're going to pay out of the damn ass. Yeah, Whereas becomes, in 2005, yeah. there were, like, free games... That were that were good, and that's also a thing we have to consider, like that the sheer frequency of it. Yeah, it's it's become a, I don't know. There's just so many games that release in here. It's it's so hard to keep up with everything, and you you almost forget uh, of a game that that comes out, and all of these guys are trying to, you know, vie for your attention. I mean, I just realized like last, you know, last week when Garth mentioned that. The new Darksiders games coming out, and I said, "Shit, I forgot about that one," and I was actually quite excited for it. And it's just because of all that noise, you forget about it. So yeah, it and that might also be because why the price point sometimes stays down in these things. Okay, um, 
with the the microtransactions and DLC and season pass and stuff. Do you think that has also been created to combat the fact that in two months' time you pretty much going to be have someone giving you a copy of the game? Okay, maybe not in two months' time, but in two months' time, the price of the game is going to drop like drastically. Oh yeah. Um, True. So trying to keep the franchises and games evergreen, basically, by providing continual content like that, maybe. Good God, man. We need, like, economy degrees for this shit. <laughs> because there's so many, like, small things that you don't know. I don't know there's this this data doesn't correspond with that and inflation and fucking the economy just collapsing, the recession. And we're like... I don't fucking know this, but from the like base argument we have of are games too cheap now for a sixty dollar experience? What do you think? I think no. I think it should stay like this for now. Just for now. Until we can see if there are better options and methods of you know combating this whole thing. Well, think about it, um, and Garth mentioned the season pass. So the season pass and pre-order incentives and all those things are kind of a way of these developers and publishers to ensure that they are going to have a certain amount of profit even before selling the game. I mean, think about it. It's the, it's the only industry where we effectively pay for something before it we even have it. It's It's kind of weird in that sense. But then on the other side is, and, and you're talking about different revenue streams, different ways of them making money. And we've seen them experiment with all the different options and things out there. And they've tried um, episodic games. There was a while while that became a thing. Um, I think it kind of fell through for them. I think people said saw that they're not that into it. Um, you know, you buy a season pass and they can kind of keep producing this game afterwards. Um, season passes, in a way, help, depending on what it is. I mean, I've bought one or two season passes in my time. I usually don't do those kind of things. Um, but I've, I have spent, I've spent money on microtransactions. I hate to say I'd, I've done it, but I have. Heresy. Yeah, yeah as a heathen. <laughs> And is it heresy? What I'm just saying is that, 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 and Marco touched on it as well, is that you know you mentioned that people or, or there's is trying to find different ways of doing this kind of thing, and it's kind of what they're doing with the loot boxes and the microtransactions, is they're trying to see at the same time what people are willing to do and so that's why we're starting to see the games as a service kind of thing coming through we got you know the big news of microsoft's game pass we have uh, psn plus uh, games for gold these things have been going for a while you know and everybody's making money out of that kind of thing anyway so i think they're looking at all kinds of different revenue streams or, or ways of making money and the microtransactions and those things are a way of it. But is it profitable for them to go for the um, 
you know, you know, pushing up the price of, of a game to $65. We don't know. We don't know what kind of impact that on their business will have. And and the biggest issue here is that, and it's kind of the publisher's own fault, is that we don't know how much, first of all, it costs to make the games because they seldom share this kind of, you know, numbers. And we often don't even know the full um, numbers for games sold. It's it's not information that's shared just just with us. So we can sit and speculate on, you know, the amount of games sold versus you know cost made and, you know, what it cost ten years to go to make. But unfortunately, these people aren't very transparent on their on their things. So it's, it's kind of hard to sympathise with them if they say, look, you know, this is what it's been costing us this kind of thing. But they're not giving us that information. Okay. Um seeing as like mark was saying there's so much we don't know let me let me put it to you this way right let's say we're running a video game company and we're making a game and like someone paid for developments because you know we were nice to them and we think it's going to do well and for state of the argument it's going to do well um and we want to maximize the amount of money we make off the project so that we can retire when it's done um, we can up the price of the game, right? Which will piss off a lot of people, get us a lot of attention because every video game website will write about it and everyone will tweet about how we think we're so much bigger than everyone else because we're charging more than how dare we charge more than The Witcher 3 because have you seen The Witcher 3? Have you played <laughs> The Witcher 3? Is this better? No, I don't think it's better than The Witcher 3. And for our arguments... This hypothetical game is not better than The Witcher 3. So we start looking at other options. So one is a season pass, where we kind of fund development of the next stuff, and we start working on it, and, you know, bring out stuff for fans. Or we put in microtransactions. Because if you think about it, if half of your player base buys it at launch, then a whole bunch buy it at the first sale. And then a whole bunch of your players arrive when, you know, PS Plus or Games with Gold or Game Pass or whoever just tosses at you for, for I want to say for free, because, you know, it's, it's part of a service you're paying for. Like, what's the best way to, to do it? Um, and may, maybe it isn't that these game companies are forced to stick at $60 so much as that that price works for them now because they're going to make their money somewhere else without getting the anger of everyone and whatever they change further down the line in the tail part of the sales um, works better because eventually people will get the game for free. I mean, how many of us bought a game on super crazy special lately? Well, um, I'm all sticking my hand in there, but you guys can't see it. <laughs> Maybe I can. Oh shit! Where's, where? oh. Cover, cover the webcam. <laughs> Especially install camera, please. I wouldn't use your webcam. Uh, <laughs> damn it! Shitty boy, peacock. Oh crap! Yeah, well, for ADP and it's a terrible uh, perspective. Uh, it's like the back of my head. No comment. No comment. <laughs> but yeah, but just just 
bringing it back to the argument. Um, I think that, and, and like I said, I think the biggest issue is transparency as well. Yes. If, if 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 the publishers and the developers are a little bit more open with what it costs to make these games, um, you know, the amount of money that goes into the production. You know, I mean, the way the movies are. I mean, they they're very open with how much it, the actual you know filming and making budget is of a form what the marketing budget is and what the worldwide profits are it's it's a big thing for them and you know i hate comparing the video game industry with movies but at least people are you know they're a bit more transparent on what kind of money is being made so when they want to eventually up the price of a movie ticket or a blu-ray dvd or anything like that you know people can be have a little bit more understanding as to why it is happening and uh, at the moment you know there's just no none of these companies none of them not ea not activision nothing we don't we can see what their profit margins are because they they publicly listed we need we see it but we don't see what kind of where they make their profits and that's something to keep keep in mind as well. So what you're saying is this whole topic we can't actually comment on because there's not enough transparency and none of none of us are accountants. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. that's the big problem. Yeah, I think. Well, it started off nicely with we we had some actual concrete ev- evidence to go to, <laughs> um, and now we don't know so, what the so, fuck we're talking about. Okay, uh, so, so I kind of I kind of ruined everything. So I still feel that um, these companies aren't making as much money as we think, A, or B, that their their top brass slash board want them to. Um, And we have seen this kind of thing in the way that studios are being shut down by larger companies, right? Yeah, yeah. I think... and they no, want, go ahead. And they want to make more money. So they've opted for microtransactions. And we all have, at some point, raised our heckles and spat at those, these terrible microtransactions. But the alternative is up the price, maybe $20. And who's going to be happy then? Very few people. So, so that was my argument and thought process going into this before we went well, you know you know what uh, god you actually touched on something very important there and that is you know the shareholders and the board that just wants to line their pockets more and more um and you know even it, let's say for instance that my argument that i have in the, the amount of copies sold and you know the development cost is not necessarily as much but it is not enough for them because as you say you know in order to have you know to be good at the business you need to have growth so having um you know more sales and more profit is or very good profit is not good enough you need to have more profit than you did last time that's basically what it boils down to and even though they might be making more money than they ever have as an argument um it's just not good enough for the board members and the shareholders because they want more. And that's something that we, we don't necessarily think of. Well, not me until now. 
it's, it's the whole corporate culture behind this. It's it's business. It's black and white. There's no emotions involved. It's a graph on a thing. It goes up or it goes down. They don't consider the small people, the consumers. They consider products. How can we make more of them? How can we ship more of them? How can we sell more? It's as simple as that. And I think it kind of gets lost in translation as well with the microtransactions and shit. Um, so, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so keeping that in mind, I just want to say I feel sorry for a lot of developers because they have us as consumers gunning for them, yeah, they have us. In, in, <laughs> insisting that the game has to be better than the best thing they've ever made or the best thing some other company they don't even know about or don't even have control of made. They're situated in some Eastern European country. And then they have some board that has nothing to do with how they work coming and telling them that you must sell more even though there are more games being released this year, even though sales happen quicker, even though, you know, whatever reason, like... Can you imagine having all of those fingers pointing at you, watching your creative outputs? Yeah, I don't want to be a developer anymore. Never wanted to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that the developers are probably the people that suffer the most in, in all of this. I mean, like I said, you know, you've got people like that, us, and, and the that just, we're relentless in these kind of things. And um, on the other side, you have the, the uh the, the the producers the production companies that you know they just want more money in their pockets and you know it becomes harder and harder for studios to and i mean if you look at you know some studio recent studios that just got closed down it it becomes really high pressure you know situation for a lot of them yep and that's not even taking into account crazy deadlines that these guys meet have to meet and working conditions and crunch um but that's probably a whole topic all by itself just the weird toxic culture that pervades in development cycle um if if you had to choose increasing price or all games have microtransactions what would you choose increase in price because then i can Still get it in the sale. <laughs> um, for me, it's not really as black and white. But do I have to choose either or? Yeah, in this yeah. in this instance. Um, I think I'll probably go with um, price increase. And and the simple reason for that is the that if I get price increase and I don't get any other microtransactions or loot boxes with that. Not, I'm not talking about expansions and, and you know some decent DLC. I'm just talking about um, if I got a guarantee that I'm not going to get the other crap and not get a, in, the cost of games to buy the games go up, I'd rather take that because then I also know that you're going to get the finished product and that is what you're getting. And, and I think that is probably the biggest reason why. And yourself? I think I'd go for the same. I'd remove something that can be seen, can be used in a predatory fashion, and get the whole game up front because I want to play the whole game. I don't want to reach a point and realize that I need to pay, you know, two dollars fifty 
to get, you know, some shiny hat or something from Eververse. Horse armor. Or horse armor, because, you know, we made a big fuss there and look at where we are now. I think horse armor is like much better than some of the shit we get these days. Hey, you can get shiny pants with a belt. Yeah, this it is It costs true. 400 rand. Yeah, because it wasn't <laughs> randomized. Like, I mean, I watch these people playing uh, the, the, like the player-based driven economy for PUBG. It's just ridiculous. Yep. Like, and CSGO and stuff. Like, all those weapon uh, skins. And, you know, horse armor, you can say, no. But PUBG kind of, I don't, I don't think it forces into, you into it, but it psychologically forces you into it. Yeah, you almost like, can become involved. Because you see everybody else is, is doing it, that kind of thing. Yeah, it comes into that predatory part. Um, look, it's just just because I say it's it's not quite as black and white. Um, I've and, I, and I've said this before. I don't have an outright issue with something like microtransactions. It, it for me, it is more just the way that it is implemented. I think it is something that can be very valuable. Um, if you look at games like Warframe, for instance, which you know is is seen as one of the best, you know, social, um, you know always online type games out there at the moment and and the game survives on microtransactions it is how they make their money and you know keep on producing content for everybody to go and, and play this game you know constantly so having said that and there's a lot of people that can play that game for free completely and and they do that so microtransactions is definitely there is a place for it and it really depends on how it is implemented loot boxes i don't want that shit anywhere near my games i think that stuff is just it is horrible um it is a uh as as you've guys said it's it's a it's a bit of a predatory system a way of you know trying to bait people into spending more and more in order to get something that they want and I, I really i don't like that kind of thing where if you've got microtransactions and you know the, the, let's take a racing game for instance there's a cool car and this car costs you you know 10 rand in order to um add it to your garage and then you can go out with this cool looking thing doing the racing in the open world game that you're doing you know i don't really see that being so bad in the terms of um the developer just adding you know some added profit to their to what they're doing um but if you have to buy a loot box and you can maybe get that carb or you get some other crap that you don't want that is a problem so it really depends how it is implemented but but outright i think you know just just if, if they have to increase the cost of games go for it I'll just, as Marco said, just wait for it, the, the price to come down from a personal perspective. So kind of what you're saying is they can push the price up, but they'll lose that sale because you're going to wait for it to drop anyway. <laughs> but it's well, just at because this stage, we're... <laughs> at this stage, I'll maybe just wait a little bit longer because I wait for it to drop in price anyway at the $60 price point anyway. So it doesn't matter what they charge for it. You know from the get-go for me personally um 
and if I think about it that way, if I was a person that could afford buying games new on a regular basis, you know, paying an extra $5 or $10 for that game, you know, considering that I can afford games new, don't think it would have made such a big difference. So I would have bought them new anyway at $70. It's a tough one. It's it is, because I mean, where's the, where's the limit? Where do they, you know, make, do they make it $100 for that game? Do they make it $90? Do they make it $80? So how much is it supposed to go up? But if you're going on what inflation said, you know, let's say $72, yeah, yeah, not that much, really. I wouldn't be happy about it, but it's fine if I can get something that doesn't have Going to bitch and boxes. people people will bitch and moan about it and then they're gonna buy the game anyway because just that's just how they are uh, i also feel that also ties into why so many games are multiplayer to get you to buy it at launch rather than waiting for sale and i think that's being exacerbated by single player only games people just watch them on youtube or on twitch or whatever like hey Son's done it, let's play, cool. Save me $60 and I'll give $5 to the streamer because they made me laugh a few times. Yeah, that, that's a whole thing on its own, I, don't, I guess. Yeah, that is a that is a totally different thing and, and <laughs> or totally different thing that I still kind of battle to understand because you can't really call people like that a video gamer though. So, but yeah, it... It's opening a whole different can of worms. Yeah, wow. So just like, you're not a real gamer. <laughs> you don't play single player, screw you. You're basically someone who watches a series with an asshole sitting in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, look, why, why, are why, you, Let me just... why are you talking about my lambs like that? That's rude. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking about Dave, I don't know. <laughs> strangely, strangely enough though, and from of the few Let's Play that I have watched, it's the multiplayer things that that, that, that I do find a little bit more intriguing and interesting. That's so, the popular thing. People don't really stream that much single player games. Well, I wouldn't know. It's not, but it's not I something that I've really followed. I've I mean, I've seen a few, but then again I stopped because I want to rather play it myself. Um, yeah, but you see a lot more people doing the competitive thing or the online thing, you know, doing Let's Plays. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's, a like you said, a very totally different argument from, from what we're actually discussing, yeah. which is the cost of, of video games. Yeah, we'll save that one for later. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, I think... Oh, we are fucking no. Good night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think I've made made my point kind of clear. I think that, yes, the cost of it definitely went up. But, um, you know, I don't think that their profit margins are necessarily that much less than it used to be. So, I, I mean, it, and it's, but it's very hard for us to see or, or to, to know exactly what's going on until, until these guys, the, the publishers, uh, become a little bit more transparent on on what it costs to get that game into you know in front of us and, and play it so uh, i think that is what the conclusion in a way that i can take from this conversation today uh, if we were more astute we can like sit down for uh, hundreds of hours and 
analyze all kinds of data and maybe all the particulars all the all the features all the small little tidbits that involve all this financial stuff maybe we can yeah but no (laughs) maybe we can get all uh, michael patcher in to to come and help us out next time so you you can make that happen uh the goth yeah i'll i'll ask him if he can move up in the schedule to be an earlier episode than i had originally planned okay cool thanks thanks <laughs> and i think that will be nice i think in conclusion we can say that the cost of games is a lot more complicated than i think a lot of people bother to think about yeah i think we changed our own minds through this whole thing like i am leaving this from a perspective of fuck you publishers to oh i don't know maybe they have a point it's it's all kinds of Gray areas. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I kind of agree with you there, Marco. Definitely. Sure. I think I think I think next episode we will kick back and relax and talk about something fun, like I don't know. Yeah, the February releases of which they are two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good <laughs> times. That's true. That's that's what a good conversation for next week. What what games are releasing next month? Though? No no, sh- don't do next week's yeah. episode. We need to give a we need to give a preview, dude. It's next right. time on GamerCast. GamerCast. My name is you gotta, Dave. You got to do it in that um that that Dragon Ball Z voice that we remember. Next time <laughs> on. <laughs> next time on <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Goku yeah, charges up <laughs> forever. Next episode. Yep, still going, still charging. Still going. At least they don't have to charge up from zero through every Saiyan form to the new latest ones now. Can you imagine? I'm uh, just 200 episodes for one. What I just want to know with the, the recent Dragon Ball uh, game that released is, I'm assuming it is a very long game. If, if you know, and fights take forever, you know, to get that authentic feel of, of the charging <laughs> up going. <laughs> That's the hard mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a mar- marathon mode where every round actually takes five hours. Yeah, I just do do standing there going, ah! <laughs> and it's, um, it, it uses microphone inputs to decide how efficiently you charge. <laughs> Other people will shit themselves. That's a that's a, a trick missed for the connect. Damn it, Microsoft <laughs> missed out on that one. Damn it, Microsoft, your yeah, connect. They could have had a such a sand game. There we go. Potential, the potential. Anyway, I think I think that we've, we've we've veered off a little bit there, but yeah, I think that is my conclusion on on this show. Marco, you got anything? Any last words? Or you've uh, you think you've added everything you wanted to say? I don't think I've added anything. Because I'm unsure of what I said, but yes, we did good. Nailed it. Cough. <laughs> You're not sure, but we nailed it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, totally nailed it. <laughs> like honesty, but confidence. Um, it, yeah, it's, uh, I think the amount of data I had looked like a lot before we started. And it's, it's just far too complicated. And I guess if it was simpler, there'd be more AAA publishers 
you know. Yep. Yeah, basically that. Tell us in the comments if you have a better idea of how to solve this. Yeah, what should games do to, um, you know, should they change their price? Should they cost less? Should they cost more? Should they cost Mahala, like Charlie said, like an hour ago? <laughs> maybe we should have just like totally we did. Communism, let's embrace it. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe the problem here isn't the price of games. Maybe it's the fact that we're paying money. Like, what is money actually? Why am I not yeah, going to money? the game store and giving them like... No, dude, that, two, that's just, that's, no, no, no. Coconuts uh, and a potato. This is, this is just going too deep now. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Charlie, thank you for joining. Always a pleasure. Your, your one potato and two liters of milk that's in the mail. No, but I told you before, I'm lactose intolerant, dude. I don't do milk. That doesn't change the value I prescribe to milk, okay? <laughs> It's okay. That's yeah. Uh, Marco, thank you for joining as well. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, thanks to you, Garth, for you know, tolerating me with my arguments. No, it's fine. It's the best way to see where the holes are in an argument is to get get in an argument. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, and, it is the best way. And thank you to everyone for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm kidding. Like and subscribe, squad fam. If you really don't have to like and subscribe, you can you know, just download it and play it in your car and relax because I'd hate for you to try like and subscribe while you're driving in traffic and become the traffic jam that I have to drive past in Joburg. That would suck. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Be safe.